All right. Welcome back to SwitchCast Live. This is our dozenth episode, I think. And to celebrate the Dirty Dozen, we're having Dirty Sabo back on. He was... Do I shower? Okay, fine. Your mind's dirty. He was our guest for the first ever inaugural episode. And he's going to be a regular on here because he's smart and he's funny. That's what the girls tell him anyway. All of them. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm Doug Tabbit, your host, Cannonball Run record holder, founder of Switch Cars, Sabo's friend. Sabo is my guest co-host tonight. We're going to talk about the crazy car market, and we are going to take your questions on buying and selling cars, how to interpret the buying and selling of cars, how to make good decisions in this nutty market, how to make good decisions in any market, really. And we'd love for you to call in and participate. The number is 216-294-4124. Again, that's 216-294-4124 if you want to be on air with us. And you can also post your comment in the flow of wherever you're watching us live. We'd love to interact with you. We have a lot of questions already from Instagram. This is apparently a hot topic. It actually, I think it hurts my heart a little bit that the most, it, it hurts my car heart. <laughs> Pullovers? Yes. Yeah. Is there, is there a ham? What, frick, what are the, um, never mind. I lost me, lost myself there. Um, the Carhartt pants. They yeah. have that little loop there for your for your carpenter what is pants. That? Carpenter pants. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You they hang your loop hammer for there. the hammer. Carpenter. You don't work yeah. on anything. That was so a, that was a thing that. in 2005. Yeah. It was like after cargo pants. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Uh, do you wear cargo pants in your Yugo? See, I wear cargo pants. You go, you go, hey, cargo room. <laughs> All right, don't move on, bro. Move on. <laughs> I'm really reaching. Right? Yeah. You, you, the one time that makes sense. Starting this <laughs> off really well. <laughs> okay, my guest tonight, again, is John Sabo from Bulletproof Performance. He is a specialty car consultant. He's worked with me in some capacity for over 16 years now. Mm. I'm so sorry. Yeah. <laughs> we still like each other. We still do business together. Uh, what, what do you really do? You asked me this last time. I know. It's going to bore people. Okay, fine. I make dreams come true. He makes dreams make people come happy. true. Yeah, and he, and he helps he helps people think straight. Yeah, absolutely. Especially me. Keep it real. Yeah. Yeah, that's he, He's true. the guy, if you had a shrink that you went to and laid on a couch to discuss your automotive problems, <laughs> he'd kind of be it. I've been called a lot of things by customers, and they're all pretty good, so I'm pretty happy. Yeah. At least in my face. Yeah, okay. So, uh, with that said... We're going to go right to the questions, I think. Yeah. Tee it up, dude. Tee it up. Uh, I posted on Instagram to uh, lead into this discussion. I posted a photo of three different GT3s and RSs from 2014 and the prices that they sold for in 2014 and got all mm -hmm. sorts of reactions from, shoot, I almost had a heart attack. I was about to jump on a plane to... Weird, I couldn't even afford them in 2014. All sorts of things, but some right, some wrong. But the correct the, me if I'm wrong, real quick. The orange one in the picture, there was no orange one. Well, there's a silver a, orange, so yes, yeah, silver sorry, with silver orange, orange accent GT3 RS. Yep, is, is that the same car 
that I should have bought for eighty five grand. Yes. And the one that had the bad clutch and flywheel. Oh my gosh. Okay, quick story. <laughs> yeah, 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 quick. This is actually a really good story. They all are. Well, it's not. It's not a great story because I didn't buy the car. Well, yeah, that's true. You had three up, two opportunities to buy that car. Anyway, yeah. two thousand seven silver with orange accent GT three RS forty two produced. No, 42, 42 white ones. Which is 42. Doesn't matter. 42 produced. It's the rarest color. So if you want an investment, there you go. Go go with Easy, rarity. easy, easy. What? All right. We're talking tell a about story. investments tonight. I understand, but you're telling a story, then you're tangenting. Let's go. Okay, fine. You want you want a punch in the arm? Go for it. Let's go. That's weak. I'll try harder next time. Okay. So I sold this guy a GT3 RS. And he called me a couple months later, and he said, dude, the clutch is shot. It's rattling like crazy. It's making these terrible noises. I'm like, no, that's that's totally normal. He goes, no, dude, I took it to the Porsche dealer, and they're telling me I need a new clutch and flywheel. It's like, the Porsche dealer's wrong. That is normal. It has a lightweight flywheel. It rattles like a bag of marbles. I'm like, is that the sound it makes? He goes, yeah, it sounds like the engine's coming apart. I'm like, yep, that's that's absolutely normal. That's what they're supposed to do. He's like, no. The Porsche dealer told me that I need a new clutch and flywheel. It's like four grand. Dude, you're wrong. Like, it's fine. Are you telling me that you know more than a Porsche master technician? Well, no, but about this, yes. How many GT3 RSs has he worked on? Like two? And I've sold dozens of these? I Yes, I'm right. He's wrong. Well, it turned out they already had the clutch and flywheel apart. So to cover their butts, because they told him something was wrong and nothing was wrong, they were trying to sell him on a new clutch and flywheel. So they basically kind of blackmailed him and said, well, you can pay for the labor for it all to go back together, or you can just install a new clutch and flywheel while it's out. So I don't remember if he installed a new one or not, but I felt really good because after all that, he he didn't. Well, whatever, but... It was just a good moment of me knowing more than a Porsche Master Tech about something. So anyway, that was that car. And in 2014, yes, I bought it for $85,000, a 2007 GT3 RS. So everybody talks about the ones that got away or I should have bought or I could have bought or I can't believe I sold. I wish I had this car back. I'm your example. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And you can say. Being in the car business. You can say. I well, told me so. I, I did tell you so, yeah. and I told you so on the white one. I told you so on the other white one. All right, enough. Okay. Make me look bad. Make me look bad. <laughs> Sable Ooh. doesn't have a 97 RS yet. But you've also done, done plenty right. I, okay I've done, I've done fine. on the I've non-RSs fine. that you've bought. <laughs> but that begs a question. Are cars investments? That was the, the lead-in question for our discussion. Are cars investments and it i admit it was a little bit baity because the real question is are cars good investments if you deliver pizzas for a living a car is a wonderful investment do you know i saw a picture you know the viper gts r the uh, commemorative edition or whatever for mm-hmm. the the gt2 race car they made a hundred mm-hmm. of them mm-hmm. there's a guy who delivered pizzas in one of those that is my dream. His mile per pizza. <laughs> Not very good. Yeah, but the pizzas would never get cold. Just he, put them on the tranny tunnel? No, you could, yeah. You could have the air conditioning on full blast and the pizza would still stay hot. Your feet are hot, your pizza's hot. 
your right hand is slightly cool. <laughs> if you put it out the window. <laughs> oh, gosh. I still want one of those. Viper Love, though. Viper Love. Oh, they smell like tuna fish on the inside, and the steering wheel's the same as a PT Cruiser, but I still want one. <laughs> what? Please move on. <laughs> Uh, speaking of... You almost teed me up there. <laughs> speaking of, I guess, good decisions, Dave Thoman from Atlanta and Cleveland. He's three, door de- three yeah. doors down from us here. Great guy. He has a, yeah, he has a black on orange RS. He bought your GT2 bucket seats, but he bought his GT3 RS in 2012 for 104 grand, and he drives it, and he loves it. He drives it, drives it, yeah. too. Yeah. He... he He's a he's a really good driver. He'd sell it to you for a million bucks. Yeah. That's that's what he told me. Really? I think that's what he told me. He doesn't want to sell it. That's the standard right. answer. Yes. It's not yeah. for sale. Yeah. Uh thirty three boss hog. This this gets us into a a good discussion. Duke's Talking about cars being investments. Thirty three boss hog, that's his Instagram username. Oh, okay. All right. So yeah, maybe it is maybe he's a Dukes fan. Shout out to Travis Bell. Seventeen and a half percent inflation since two thousand four. Fourteen. Add that and see where you are. So if you figure two thousand fourteen, the GT three RS was what I say was one hundred seven or something like that that it had sold for. You add in inflation and it takes away some of that gain. But the the point there is bigger. That inflation, the point of inflation doesn't get illustrated in the short term. But how often do you hear somebody saying about some muscle car they sold in 1975 for five grand? They're like, oh, I shouldn't have sold it. That car would be 60 grand today. Oh my gosh, you know, <laughs> 10 times. Fine, but. So your insurance bill. Yeah, that too, and storage and maintenance and all that. But inflation alone. If you took five grand from 1970, it would be 35 grand just in inflation. So it wouldn't be like you made 10x on your money. 35 to 60, you'd make about 2x. So you would have beat inflation, but not by much. And so, okay, fine. It'd be better than putting it in a savings account because your five grand would still be five grand. But if you put it in the stock market, it would be worth 250 grand. So if you sold a $5,000 car in 1970 and put it in the stock market, you'd have 250 grand. Shout out to your financial planner. Yes. Whoever that may be. I didn't use my financial planner. I just Googled what the stock market was in 1970. No, I'm saying if you had a financial planner and you, you invested your money. True. Back then, that would have been the smart move. Yeah. Yeah, if you had a good financial planner, it'd probably be worth four hundred. I mean, if, if you, you bought, just put it in an index fund, it would be worth two fifty. You bought a, you know, you bought a Mustang two, let it rot in your garage because you thought it was a good investment. <laughs> You'd still have two grand. <laughs> I feel like no new car between nineteen seventy and nineteen eighty five was a good investment. Oh, 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 man. Hashtag Trans Am. Okay, all right, fine. Seventy eight, seventy eight Bandit Trans Am. I'll just take them all. Six, all sixes. of them? Oh, yeah. Watch a lot know. of Smokey and the Bandit as a kid. Watch a lot of Smokey and the Bandit. Smog era, the Malaise era. I mean, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> well, I mean, the Catholic Conversion the size there's of this table, of, but yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of beige. 
not a lot of side bolster support. Uh, 12 Elentless said regarding cars being an investment, they can be if you're smart enough to follow market trends and not overspend. Okay, but not everybody is. Uh, cars hit a peak of depreciation. I think he means a, like a bottom of depreciation where they just don't depreciate anymore. Okay. And then he goes into talking about Vipers and like there was a time when you could buy Vipers for 20, 30 grand. Now a good one's 40, 50, 60, whatever. So if you know when to time the market in terms of buying at the bottom, then they can be a good investment. The difficulty with that logic is you have to buy when nobody else is buying. Right. Go back to 2012, 2013. Right. But nobody was thinking about cars as investments then. No. And that's when they were investments because you have to buy when it's not popular to buy. Best example, 94 36 Turbo. Okay. You could have bought those cars all day. Porsche. No, it's not a Trans Am. No, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> 75 to 90 grand would get you primo example how many of those did they make oh man for the u.s 200 260 ish okay i know Super that, I, rare. that number will pop in my head in a second but yeah it's low production car actually window stickers are all right around a hundred thousand back in 94 which is a lot of money yeah hence the you know one of the reasons for low production but i bought and sold Oh, thank you. I bought and sold so many of those in about eight years ago. Yeah. 75, 90 grand all day. Mm-hmm. You made small commissions, moved them on down the road. You kept buying them back. Cars went from, let's just say 85, the number, to 110, to 125, to 200. And now, like what, one sold on bring a trailer last week? With some miles on it for three hundred and some thousand dollars for a three six turbo, yeah, non S, no polar bow, silver whatever. car, no, no, just a three six turbo, no S, no creepers, creepers, no nothing. I, I okay. had one in my garage that I let go because I. So here's a question: I, I remember that car, the midnight blue one, midnight blue car. Yeah, yeah, I drove that one. Mm-hmm. But when they were seventy five k, right? So right now, if you offered somebody a three six turbo for seventy five k, they like. Everybody you offered it to would wire you money instantly. Oh my goodness, that's such a deal. That's crazy. That's a two hundred thousand dollar car. But when you were selling them for seventy five k, how hard did you have to try to sell them? Oh, you had to sell it. And what merits did you sell it on? I mean, it was just. I thought again. Okay, this is where you're setting me up here. No, I'm asking you a question. No, no, but I'm answering. But it's leading into your topic. I thought that that car had a massive ceiling to it. I did not believe that was a seventy-five to eighty-five thousand dollar car. Okay. I thought that that car. If somebody asked me where should I park some money, I'm like, buy this car. It has to go up. I mean, it's just it's too low. All air-cooled Porsches back then. I was buying nine sixty-fours for twenty-five thousand dollars or twenty thousand miles, and selling them for not much more than that because. People told me it was not a good car over and over and over again, you know, and now so you see what happens. Yeah. But okay. You actually didn't answer that one the way I thought you were going to. So it was undervalued. Were you selling it based on its driving in- experience? Okay. 
number one. It's the reason why people bought those cars back in the day of any variant. The driving experience was if, if you wanted to get out in your favorite back road and have a nice time, cars were just fantastic. So if you wanted to sell you a car and spend a lot of money, I didn't th think that car would disappoint you. And I just thought it was a great place to park money, to park in your garage, and to park your butt. All right. Okay. So now I am setting you up because I'm, I'm looking for an answer. I'm going to give you one or two. I'm still not there yet? Okay, go on. No, you answered it, but I'm going to follow up to that. Game on. So it was a $75,000 car. Were you selling it saying, if you want to turn your money into 150 k you should buy this? Or were you saying, this car is really good. It's better. It's intrinsic value based on the, the experience of ownership and the fun of driving is more than 75 k B. And therefore, it's undervalued. That. Okay. 100% that. See how I set you up there? Yeah, it's perfect. I knew what your nice answer work. was going to be. Hostess with mimosas. <laughs> but it drives my point home. What's the point? Because you complain about people calling you saying, I have 500K. Can I buy some cars? It'll be a million. Of course. Why? Do you, why? I mean, there's car guys that do that. There's, I call them nouveau car guys. They just got in the market because stuff's expensive. And they bought cars and they go out and say, what can I drive for free? You know, it's not about how cool the car is. It's about return or breaking out clean sure so it's a, like if that's the first question out of your mouth it's the wrong question right there's nothing I mean, wrong with making money on cars the first thing out of your mouth is like it's always been my dream to own this car that is a conversation i love to begin right right if you start off the conversation is as i i want to drive a car for free we all do i mean it's common sense i mean if i could say that you can own anything for a period of time and cost no money. Well, why wouldn't you? I mean, unless it's... Yeah, sure. I mean... We all want to do that. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. Sure. Then it's not spending money. It's just a matter of how much cash flow you parking have. money. Right. Uh, we are going to go to the phones. Uh, we have a, a 614 number, which I don't know if any of you know. It's a Columbus, Ohio. It's the capital. Usually... I get nervous when I get Ooh. a 614 number because it's either the DMV or the Department of Taxation or some official like that. I'm ready for this one. Yeah. But uh, we're going to take it because it's after 5 p.m. I don't think anyone in the government works after 5 p.m. So uh, Arnob from not the Department of Taxation, you're on the line with Johnny and Dougie. What you want? Uh, Johnny, Doug. What's up, oh, buddy? I got great questions for you, fellas. Yeah. Um, so... I, I posed this one to you, Doug, and you're you're well aware of it, and you've taken it and twisted it. I asked Doug uh, <laughs> I a while ago, <laughs> I asked him, what's better, to own a good but decidedly not great car that you use all the time or to own your grail and a pretty, you know, beat-up, worthless beater? Of course, that resulted in Doug saying that he'd have his McLaren F1 and a tricycle. Um, so we had to adjudicate that question to be, if you're on a budget, do you buy a good but not great car that you use all the time, or do you spend the vast majority of that on getting something that's amazing for cars and coffee, but then you're stuck with a pretty mediocre daily driver? Go for it. I think it, 
Well, it, it depends on both, right? So it depends on it depends on what your total budget is. So if your total budget is like a hundred grand, and you say, okay, well, I can buy a, a really, really good daily driver, a new M5 or even a GT3, we'll say for somebody that likes pain, um, or a 911 GTS, right? Sure. But you're not you're not giving up the ability to buy like a real supercar. Then I think you buy the middle of the road because otherwise you you're going to spend 10 20 grand on a daily driver and get you know what for 80 grand i mean a slightly less awesome sports car that you only use some of the time but i think if if you sure, have a I... if you have a ceiling of like half a million bucks then that totally changes nobody's going to have a half a million dollar daily, daily driver i'm going to spend 450 grand on a sweet car and then get a boring daily driver all right well, well what about that middle range where it's not so cheap and obviously not you know a mclaren and a tricycle so if you're kind of in that middle range where some you know above average well-to-do folks are kind of batting in that 150 200 range i think that question gets tougher well i mean i'll expand on this a little bit there's nothing wrong with reliability when it comes to your daily driver. So if, you know, to Doug, whoop, move that a little bit again. To Doug's point, if you want to be a hero at Cars and Coffee, that means you're really cool for about 30 minutes every month. Just buy a paint to sample daily driver. Yeah. Or, you know, <laughs> or put a rocket bunny kit on it and make it shoot flames. A mat. Burn somebody's ankle. A mat with glitter camo wrap. But, I mean, if you big wings take whatever budget you want take the car that you're actually looking to enjoy your saturday sunday holiday car that you get in you smile it doesn't matter who sees you um where you go i don't care if you're gonna get milk for your kid or you're gonna pick up a pizza for the night or you're gonna go meet your buddies you just want to smile get in that car and roll okay that's the car you need to shoot for it doesn't have to be expensive but your daily driver you know especially if you live up here in the Northeast, the last thing you want is a car that's not going to get you where you got to go on a zero-degree day. Yeah. So, I mean, I drive a 4Runner daily. So, I mean, it gets me everywhere I need to go. Is it fast? Oh, no. Does it ride great? Oh, no. But it'll take me anywhere I want to go. Yeah. But that's that car also isn't preventing you from having the sports car you wanted. No, but... If it was yeah. either or, you wouldn't have a 4Runner. Well, my, my point is I enjoy the 4Runner because it does its job very well. Yeah. This, my car's in the garage or car in the garage. That's the car I'm looking forward to putting my butt in on the weekend. Yeah. And if I have to go do something, I know the daily driver will get there no matter what weather it'll be. Now, if you live in California, Texas, Florida, you know, pick your, you know, pick your spot. You can get away with a lot more. I mean, you know, I daily drove some pretty crazy stuff with snow tires through the years. Yeah. You can do it. I mean, tire technology is fantastic. You can go down to one car, drive it all year. I think uh, I know somebody that does that. You think he lives in St. Louis? Um, you know, <laughs> he enjoys it a lot. He's a he's a he's a great physician, and he's got to get to the hospital. So I mean, he has a car that has I won't name his name, <laughs> but he has a car that has great visual appeal, performance appeal, and he can put his family in it, and he gets all done with one shot. 
So, I mean, there's so many different angles you can throw at that. But, yeah, just have fun. Just do something that's going to be fun. Life's too short to drive boring cars. People beat that saying into the ground, but it's so true. That's a bumper saying. We might actually get in trouble. I think that's copywritten. So, well, quote, life's too short to Sue drive boring cars. <laughs> I signed that. I signed it. <laughs> that's not a release of liability, bro. <laughs> All right, Arnab, thank you for the call. Well, what? thank you for your thoughtful answers. <laughs> yeah. Say hi to the family. Right. Good to hear from you. Uh, oh, man. Question on the live stream. What is the best car to buy under 200 grand? I don't know. For, for what? Yeah, that's a loaded question. For an investment purpose it's that you're going to enjoy for a daily driver? Um, I I don't know. All right, let's 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 change this. Doug, you have two hundred GT3 RS. That's what I would buy. Doesn't get you one right now. Sure, it does. We just sold that one for one hundred ninety three thousand dollars. Right there. All right, Poof. fine. All right, fine. Boom. Let's 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 talk something else. So you have one hundred ninety thousand dollars to buy a car. I would have bought that one. They went for one ninety three. Yeah, plus we D. sold it for one ninety three. So that means I paid less than that. Quit twisting. It. Answer the question. <laughs> I love this. <laughs> Apparently, you do. Here, would you like to use your sticks? No, because it's not funny. It I is need to a you. You just cracked up. Thing. It's not a dad joke. All right. Uh, okay. Uh, I, I'm not going to change my answer. The question was under two hundred. Well, I'm not, not going to answer that question either, because you know that's my. You know that's my. Answer yeah. Too. I if so to to rephrase that question. I know this whole topic was about investment cars, but whatever, it's investment in our fund. To rephrase, I guess that question, not to rephrase it, to, to work backwards for my answer. I've been asked if you could have one car for the rest of your life and you had to do everything in it, daily drive it, winter, summer, track day, like anything you ever wanted to do, cannonball it, my answer would be a 997 GT3 RS because it's such an awesome driving experience it, it still has like built in little slats for the, you know, tech equipment roof rack. So I could put skis up top, snowboards, bikes, whatever. It's got reasonable cargo space. I can drive it to a track day, beat the crap out of it for weekend and drive it home. Um, I don't know what, what it's reliable. You could put 250,000 miles on it without batting an eye. So Yeah. All and right. I think long-term, they will be a good investment. Not a good investment, but long-term, there's 415 of them in the United States. It's a good place to park your money. They're the first U.S. RS car other than the RS America, but that was neutered from the real RS. So, Still have the letters, but yes. Fine, okay. So I think long-term, it wouldn't matter if you put 250,000 miles on it. If I kept it for 50 years it'd probably be worth what I paid for it. Sure. Okay. Well, all right. Put a twist on that, though. Okay. Lemon twist? You, no, 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 no. Just take yourself out of your current situation and imagine this. Okay, you got three kids, significant other, and you have to do the same situation, and you have to get them places. GT3RS does not work, even if you bolt yeah, it, it does, into... Yeah, because she has a friggin' Honda no, Odyssey. No, you. 
You. Um, I would make it work. I'd install rear seats. It's only two seats. So you I'm not three. taking all three kids all the time. Put one in the front seat. Just have fun with this. Come on. I man. am. All right. You're going to put your significant other and your three kids in a GT3 RS. Every once in a while, you got to take I, your car. Are you saying my wife doesn't have a car? No, I'm saying they want to go for riding the fun car. She has a Honda Odyssey, so you obviously I'll took take that out of the equation. One at a time. That means I get to drive it more. All right. <laughs> You're not going to win this. Why did I sign I, up for this? Why would I? Why would I sacrifice the chance to own a GT3 RS? All right, get off the bandwagon, bro. I, no. Like I know that's what you sell. To, to but let's... Like have, it has nothing to do with what I sell. <sighs> to have an M5 or something like yes, that. Yes, that's what I'm getting at. You need something that you have to drive every day, and if you have to do something, you have a you know you. Say so you need a trunk, a hatchback, a wagon, you know. I'm saying I'm so committed to that idea that I would figure out. I teach my wife to drive stick, and if I have to take the kids or do something, I take her car. I'd buy a two... I'd buy what happens a, if she can't drive? I'd buy a 1994 Ford Taurus station wagon to have. It's got the rear-facing seats for the extra kids. I would park it outside. Okay. Let me go further into this. <laughs> I could buy. Hold nah. on, I could buy that for one hundred ninety-three grand. I got seven grand to buy a Ford Taurus station wagon. <laughs> I'm about to knock you out. All right. Okay. What's your answer? No, no, what's no. Your answer no, no. To no your you're own finishing question? this. You're finishing this. What's your answer right. to your own question? Your, your wife is a street. Fine. A Cardinal on. red. Stop talking. Sixty-three. Right, station wagon. Your wife's a street racer. <laughs> she lost her license. <laughs> I'm you, sorry. You have four kids now because she's at home too much and things happen. What's his name is going through my head. I lost my license now. I can't drive. Maserati. My Honda Odyssey. All right, move this on. Next topic. Next topic. I don't know what the, the whole topic is about investment cars. Next question. All right, here's a good one. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Oh, I know. We need to go to a commercial. That That's a good, that's we, a good one. You have those? <laughs> Yeah, I do. Here, you're going to be my model. You're going to hold up the license plates. Celebrity Machines is a proud sponsor of SwitchCast. Celebrity Machines offers more than 250 different screen-accurate license plates as they appeared in movies and TV shows like Back to the Future, Ghostbusters, The Office, The Fast and the Furious, Breaking Bad, and so many more. Celebrity Machines also makes our Switch Cars dealer insert plates as well as our commemorative 2539 plates from the fastest cannonball run ever. Visit CelebrityMachines.com for more info and use promo code SWITCHCAST to save a whopping 25.39% at checkout. All right, if you want to join us on the show, take part in the discussion, banter, whatever you want to call it, you may call 216-294-4124 and you can be on air with us or you can post your comments in the flow of wherever you're watching live. Thank you for joining us. We're going to keep talking about the car market, buying cars in general, and we're going to try to work through these questions. This might turn into a second episode because there's a, this, is, this is a hot topic, whether or not cars are investment. Uh, copped. K-O-P-P-T on Instagram asked, what do you think it will take for prices to return to semi-normal? And how often have you heard that question in the last six months? A lot. It's a one-word answer. Okay. But 
There's a lot. No, I, I think um, for everything to get, for the prices to get back to normal, everyone has to get vaccinated. That's what they've told us. Everyone get vaccinated, things will get back to normal. True. Get yeah. poked. Get poked. Get your cars vaccinated. No, seriously. What? There's a handful of things. That can, how, how do you, how do you unpack but I mean, that question? It's, right now, the car market's so hot. It's going to take a it's going to take a lot to make the... We're not going back to 2011, 12, 13 pricing. Well, that was a special time. I mean, that was after a, a massive recession. Right, but cars were still in the... Even before that, stuff wasn't that expensive. It was, there, it was the, expensive in 2008. Well, must, you're right. You're right. Muscle cars had a massive... Well, they started to die in 2008. Okay, so... Uh, uh, well, that that's opening up another... Let's unpack that, okay? Muscle cars. Mm-hmm. They were They had their boom... Especially at Barrett Jackson, man, did they make Hemi? Got oh, a Hemi. broke records, million dollar Hemi. Mm-hmm. Was Shelby that early two thousands? Yeah, mid two thousands. Okay, mid two thousands. And then they fell off the face of the earth. No, apparently it was finger drawing in the air for Mark Spence. Two thousand eight. Two thousand eight. No, that's when it fell down. I, yeah, this, yeah, this is. I got that. Two thousand eight as well when it fell off. Okay, so. Why did that happen? The muscle cars were huge in the 2000s. They fell off. They're sort of coming back, but nowhere near that hype level. Mm-mm. Why? Boomers. Okay. Unpack that. Unpack it. All right. Let me get comfy here. All right. Muscle cars always will have their place in history. There was a moment in time where European cars were not as hot as they are now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, take a Superbird, for instance. You know, you get a Hemi Superbird with a four-speed. Love the mic. Sorry. I, Love I, the mic. I'll get up on it. Um, anything that was like super special muscle car wise got, it was just smoking hot back then. I mean, I remember watching that and going, whoa, I'll never be able to buy one of those. Um, and then obviously, hit, I mean, again, let's take this. Super Bird, 200 plus thousand. Porsche 964, 20 grand. All day okay. back then. European cars did not get the love. And I can explain that a little bit too, but that's another story for a moment. But the the muscle car craze, Shelby, Hemi, any of those super, super unique cars, just they just did really, really well. I mean, it was just whether it would, I, I mean, you watch Barrett Jackson, you saw the buyers. They were excited about it. They wanted it. They Every car that came up, they're cheering. Um, it was like going to a, it was like going to a rock concert. When those cars went across yeah. the, it was, I mean, it was awesome, but you know, what goes up must come down. Maybe. Well, I'm but talking there's back some then. Stuff, okay. Fine. Well, but like you get two a million vintage dollar Ferraris muscle. have never come down. We're talking about well, the muscle cars right now, buddy. Okay. But you said what goes up must come down. That's a blanket statement. Why, did, why, why did it must come down in that case? Some what of those, factors? those million, two million dollar. Yeah, I mean, limited production, but they just, I mean, those numbers were just not sustainable. With, I just, I mean, it, it proved to be right. I mean, it's, you didn't know when it was going to end. You, you, had, you had some inklings. Why, though? Is it because they weren't, I mean, I know the answer to this. I'm asking you a question that I know the answer to, but I'm. I mean, there's, just answer the question. There's so many. Well, I want to hear, hear what you have to say. Well, my opinion is twofold. I think you're getting there with this. 
you said boomers at the beginning. It was yeah. a one word answer. You're right. Jay Leno said something to the effect of people pay for what they remember. Mm-hmm. Nostalgia. So the generation now, for the most part, that's buying cars doesn't have experience, doesn't have good memories with mu- that era muscle cars. So to them, they're really cool looking cars that drive terribly, but that's it. So you had a, a craze of a certain generation chasing their memories certain generation who had a lot of money uh secondly i think it goes back to what you said about the 3.6 turbo when there were 75k cars you said they're undervalued not just because of some random investment plot that you had but you said relative to what else you could buy the enjoyment experience from owning this car is more than a $75,000 experience Correct. And you don't get a million dollar experience from a seventies Hemi Cuda. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, I don't know. It comes back to the thing is, you know, we don't live in a society right now where cars are, you know, you get a guy and he's like, Oh, I drove it a hundred miles a year. I drove it 500 miles a year. If somebody wants a certain muscle car as we call it automotive art. They're wonderful. Some of them are actually really fun to drive. You just have to, you got to back yourself into it and not look for a 2020 experience in a 1970 shell. Yeah. So. Speaking of that, though, the 2020 experience in a 1970 shell, the resto mods now, there's been a trend the last few years, correct me if I'm wrong that the resto mods are actually going for more money than the originals of the the 60s and 70s muscle cars. I mean, it's, it's yeah, absolutely, and especially in the Corvette world. Yeah. And now, like, the T-Birds, people are doing it. And mm-hmm. I think that's because people love the styling, but the, the new money, whatever you want to call it, the current generation that's buying up cars realizes that these cars actually kind of suck. You can't get into a 50s T-Bird without bashing your knee. Same thing with a... 50s or early 60s Corvette and you know they're drum brakes they change lanes when you try to stop like they're they're not awesome driving experiences I'm not saying anything bad about them fine I won't do it I will I, will. I, I know you have <laughs> I've known I will. you long enough but they're gorgeous cars like I'd love to own a 55 56 T-Bird I don't want to actually get in it and drive it same thing with the, the 50s Corvettes they're amazing I got one outside I'll make you a deal you on. couldn't friggin pay me to do that like body kit on the C5 Corvette of the 50s thing. That's just, eh. Well, the rest of mods also come a long but, way. And, right. when they, and when you build one, which, you know, we've seen them being built. I mean, they're selling for, let's say, a car rolls across the stage at Barrett-Jackson, 250 grand. Yeah. There's a possibility that car costs 400 grand to build. Yes. So, I mean, it looks like, you know, somebody, somebody's getting a deal even at 250 grand because if they had to build that thing, they could not do it for that amount of money. Right. So the numbers are big, but it doesn't always mean that it's reflecting what the car was worth on a build factor. Right. And honestly, I, I think that, I think that's a, uh, where am I going here? I think those are really good purchases because they reflect somebody's desire to enjoy a car. Right. I mean, Nobody's they're, they're, buying those are a 250K resto mod because they think it's going to be a good Some investment. They're saying, I love this styling. I want modern technology. I want reliability. I want to not drown in, you know, oil burning smoke when I start up in my garage. 
I just want to turn the key and go, but still have that vintage feel. I mean, people are doing it with a Mercedes 280 SLs and 300 SLs and crazy stuff. I'm like, Revology in Florida is making yeah. a heck of a Mustang product with all modern Ford technology. Yeah. 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 Or it's not all Ford technology, but and it's it's licensed by Ford. Mechatronics, I think, is doing it with the, the, the old 280 SLs. I mean, just some incredible product. I mean, that's that's cool stuff. But back to modern investments. <laughs> modern car investments. Exotic car investment. Uh, the question of the week. Brought to you by Switch Cars. Question of the week wins some free Switch Cars swag. It could be the Keep Your Woman But Switch Cars shirt. It could be any number of our shirts. They are available on shopswitchcars.com. And if you enter discount code SWITCHCAST, you get a 10% discount. This question of the week is from Audi Sport Wagon on Instagram. He says, serious question. Well, they're all serious questions, but... Uh, my 997.2 GT3, which you sold to the previous owner and has 42,000 miles on it. In GT3 land, this is high mileage. Sad, but true. These cars seem to be appreciating rapidly. I'm torn between, between treating this like a collector or throwing headers and crazy exhaust on it and driving the crap out of it. What should I do? First off, an apology because... Audi Sport because I know you emailed me like twice about advice on buying the car and I was a little bit busy so I'm going to get to your make some time for your customers Dougie I'm sorry he wasn't a customer (laughs) he was buying it from my customer (laughs) anyway he gets a free t-shirt as an apology and a good answer maybe what's your answer 42,000 mile GT3 previous track time rebuilt transmission some stone chips but nice car. It's been driven hard already. Does he say these cars are worth a ton more? I think it, the last time I sold it, it sold for 105 k It's probably a hundred, whatever, forty, fifty thousand dollars car now, give or take. All right. So what you're saying is, what does he do? You buy a primo car, or buy one used, so he can drive the wheels off of it. No, he already has it. He bought the forty-two thousand mile car. Does he throw a crazy exhaust on it? beat the piss out of it and enjoy it or does he just like treat that car like a collectible and drive it sparingly make memories put it in the garage make memories build it up do what you want to do with it like you said crazy exhaust suspension i mean you can always take it off yeah i mean that's reversible i mean if you're gonna do a stroker motor or whatnot i mean not so much but the i mean why not no just saying (laughs) Reverse the stroker motor? Stroker motor? No. Oh, okay, not reversible. I was saying, like, if you were going to do it, not so much, just because that's not a good idea. No, no, I I'm think it's a great idea. Do it. I mean, whatever you're, if you have a really good budget to build your car into the, the sweet Frankenstein you want it to be, and you're actually going to drive it, I mean, go for 100,000 miles. Make yeah. some memories. Do your thing. Yeah. I agree. I agree. And, um, I, I think it's actually a sad thing when an increase in value in somebody's car causes them to enjoy their cars less because they're afraid to drive them. The one thing and, I and will I see say, that over and over again. The one thing I will say in current market, miles mean less. Yes. I mean, you go, you know, Ferrari land, if you had 10,000 miles on your car, you kind of thought twice. Now you're seeing 
five-year-old cars with 15,000 miles on and people are still buying them. I mean, the mile, descri- mm. I mean, 42,000 mile GT3, go back to that guy. If there's nothing wrong with that car, that car will sell. It'll sell, but where I would disagree with you, I agree and disagree. Miles mean less because they'll sell no matter what. But in a hot collector seller's market, I think the Delta is more for the super primo cars versus the non-collectible cars versus in a slow market. Well, I mean, anytime you have a blue chip car with super low miles and all paperwork, of course that's going to be worth a bunch of money. Yeah. That's going to, that's drawing a different crowd. Right. But you take the discount, whatever that may be, which, it, like I said, they're getting smaller. But, you know, say, you, you know, you're, I'm going to find one with 25,000 miles on, not 12. Right. I mean, that's a significant savings on a lot of examples right. that, even ones we've discussed. Sure. So, uh, let me use an example to make my point. Remember, remember that 348 that we sold back in the day? Yeah. Had like 80,000 miles on it. Yep. When it was unheard of. Yep. I mean, it sold for fantastic value, but it sold in like a week. But it actually, it, it, it was a great car. Uh, the, I think the seller got the best end of that, honestly, because they I, sold I, a 70,000 mile car for like a 20% discount of right. a 10,000 mile car. That's what I'm But right at. now it would be like a 50% discount. So I think the, the like, it's easier to sell mediocre cars in a hot market, but the delta is greater between the blue chip cars and the driver cars. Miles are, miles are getting cheaper as... Yes. I, again, I, I think if, we're saying if the you same have a sub 5,000 mile car, miles do mean a lot. The second you click over that or over 10, it might matter a little bit. But people aren't just hunting for low mile cars now. Right. They're buying anything they can get. When a GT3 was $85,000, you know, 10,000-mile car was eighty five grand. If you found a 20,000-mile car, it was probably seventy six grand. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, you know, drive it. Right. Yeah. The, the, the example to support you, the point you're trying to make, you and I are making different points. And the the point you're making that I agree with is that the more miles you put on a car, the less it costs you. Right? Potentially. So like if you put per mile, right? So there, sure. was, a, there was like a 50,000 mile Lamborghini Gallardo Spider that sold a while back and it sold for $105,000, whatever, when the really primo ones were going for 125. And you'd think that was a big discount, but when you looked at the dollar per mile, the guy's cost per mile was like 10 or 20 cents per mile. Right. And everybody's cost per mile on the ones that they had kept primo for the next guy was like two, $3 per mile. So the guy who put all the miles on it won. Mm-hmm. And what I'm saying is not to counteract that. That is a true statement. The Delta now between blue chip cars and miles because of the crazy market we're in has gotten bigger because the guys seeing cars as investments now and chasing well, them oh, and yeah. paying the big money are only paying them for, for the blue chip cars and, and a really good example of that. So a, a red 
thousand mile Carrera GT sold on BAT for day today for just shy of two million bucks. Mm-hmm. Right. So a high mileage, let's say a thirty thousand mile Carrera GT would probably be round numbers half that. Half. Maybe less. Eight years ago, that same blue chip Carrera GT would be eight hundred grand. Thousand mile red Carrera GT, eight hundred grand. Eight years ago? We'll say like two thousand fourteen ish. I don't think it'd be eight hundred grand. It wouldn't be a million. No, it wouldn't be a million. It'd be less. Okay, fine. Seven hundred grand. What would a high mileage one be? Five hundred? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I, see, not, what I, see, I see what you're not, getting at. See what I mean? Like the, the VR Alexander sort of car? Right, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Black one with 50,000 miles on it? I, I know I was going down a little bit of a rabbit trail there, but it was, uh, yeah, anyway. Okay, so uh, the point remains, drive drive your frigging car. Don't, don't worry about it. It's already been used. It's already been used hard. Keep using it hard. Enjoy it. Like, Correct me if I'm wrong real quick. Yeah. Career GT. See, eight years ago, let's just say 2014. That was like a 380 to $425,000 car for a really good one. 14, 15. Now, I sold. I sold a silver one for with like 5,000 miles on it for I think that was like much more than 13, though. 15, they were 700 and change. Okay. They've been good ones have been 650 to 800. Was for yours blend together for me, but. I just, I just remember too long when they were just all over the place around two seventy five to four hundred thousand bucks. All right, so I don't have the Carrera GT on a spreadsheet, but since we're talking about the ebbs and flows and values, GT three RSs. Spence, we will get to your question. More drinks. Bring bring Sable one. Uh. So I built out a spreadsheet. So we're talking about cars as investments or cars as good investments. And I took GT3 RSs that we have sold from 2007 when they were new to 2021. When they're new, they're selling for about 50K over sticker. So 182 grand, we sold one in 2007. 2008 was 175 grand, but whatever, that had some miles. So basically 07, 08, they were the same. 2009, whoo, 117 grand. They took a big hit, as did everything in 2009. 2010, they were down to 107. 2011 and 12, they were in the 90s. 2013, they crept back up. And from 2013 to 2015, they essentially doubled. So they went up to over 200,000 for good examples in 2015. That was a, that was a big kind of a bubble in the collector car market um obviously there was a lot of recovery from the recession in 2009 and exotic car values kind of uh bottomed out in 2010 so i think there was a lot of natural recovery but then there was a lot of speculation where it just you know the curve went like this and then it just kept going up at a steeper rate People lost interest, kind of. The market settled. So 205 and 15 went to 175, 180-ish, 16 and 17. And they kind of bottomed out again in 2018. A really good example in 2018, we sold for 142. But you could also find a mediocre example for probably 110, 120-ish at that time. 
2019, a good example is 2000 was, I'm sorry, 150. 2020 back up to 167 ish for a really good example. Again, these are all kind of top of the market examples. You could find a, a mediocre from one for 125 then. 2021, 230 grand, and today that'd be 250. So, recap from 08 to 12, they halved in value. From 12 to 15, they doubled in value. From 15 to 18, they lost about. 25 to 30%. And then from 2019 to 21, basically from 20 to 21, they increased 50% in value. So it's, it's, it's a lot of up and down, up and down. You look at the stock market, the same period went from 13,000 to 8,000 and then straight up from 2009 to 2021 went from 8,000 to 36,000. So all that to say, as an investment, cars are very volatile. What in the heck? That is a cream glass cream. It's got a spout. <laughs> it's got a spout. You want to bring out some fine china with that too? <laughs> that whiskey better be like twenty years old if you put it in that thing. If I was oh ten feet tall, this good beer mug would look beer. Uh, all right, so. Like. so <laughs> So all that data basically say there's like huge peaks and huge valleys in the last 14 years of GT3 RS values. So you better either hold on to them or get your timing really good if you expect them to be investments. Because if you bought one in 2015, sold it in 2018, you'd be way upside down. If you bought one brand new in 2007, you'd barely be breaking even with inflation in 2020. Unless they didn't buy them from you for 50 over. Oh, shut up. (laughs) <laughs> everybody mark i'm talking market value market value if you bought one brand new at market value in 07 everybody says they're good investments that would have been a terrible friggin' investment you would have barely yeah. broken even after storage insurance gas all that stuff inflation you would have lost money um but let's just look at the let's look at 2010 right so 2010 was kind of the bottom 2010 also happens to be the first year you could buy Bitcoin. This becomes important. So if you bought a GT3 RS in 2010, let's say you bought a mediocre example for $100,000. Today, that car would be worth approximately 230 k So you just over double your money. If you put that same $100,000 into a Dow index fund, that would be worth 340k so an extra 100,000 bucks <laughs> bring the bitcoin if you bought <laughs> so yeah you it's it's cars are not a good investment let's put it that way if you bought $100,000 worth of bitcoin in 2010 it would be worth 49 billion dollars today <laughs> so yeah cars are a terrible investment <laughs> And did you do that? I didn't either. No. People were buying pizzas with 50 Bitcoin for a minute. Oh, my goodness. But oh, uh, yeah. I'm not going to go down that road. I'm not going to go down that road. There's no road to go down. That's no, a, there is a road to go down that. Well, okay. Go yeah. on. All right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to re, rewind for a quick second okay. here. Go. All right. You know, because, all right, we brought up the muscle car trend. Yep. The GT3 trend or 
Is um, the GT3 thing a trend? Right now it is. Okay. All right. You ever, <laughs> you ever hear the term competitive buying? No. All right. I didn't go to college. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> um, all right. All right. Yeah, go for it. Yeah, there you go. Boom uh, roasted. Competitive buying is something that happens in any market. Like, look at the Rolex market. Yeah. I mean, when people see immediate returns on something, they get in line. Sure. Right? Like, you know, you buy a Submariner right now at your local, which, which again, not going back not too far, the second you walked out of your jeweler, you were losing half if you didn't like it. If you walk sure. back in the next day and you're like, without a return policy, you're like, I don't want this thing anymore. You'd get beat over the head. Yep. Now you walk in, you spend your 10 grand. You can walk to the next jewelry store and sell it for 20, mm-hmm. potentially. All right. Now, now again, be patient with me for a second. Um, but on the car see. market, when muscle cars were hot, there was competitive nature involved. You know, when they see somebody buy, name your, name your, name your favorite muscle car, and it goes up in value. One, one hits the block, two guys competitively bid against it, raises the value. One crosses the like block. Like that 599 for, manual we watched. So. Correct. Yeah. All of a sudden, okay, let's go to that example. That's a good one. That car, we were like, okay, that car's going to go for 175 to 220 was yep. what we had it pinned at. Yep. That car hammered at like $700,000. The next day... Everybody was looking for 599 manuals and paying at least 500 grand. So, you know, and again, I'm not saying maybe trend's not the right word. But if you say like, oh, I'm seeing on, now bringing trailers causing competitive buying Mm -hmm. or platforms like that. Somebody goes in and all of a sudden they see, oh my gosh, GT3 RS just sold for $193,000 or whatever it is under 200 grand for, but all of a sudden everybody's like, it has one. It's like, oh, what can I get? What can I sell mine for? And people start lining up for some big bucks. You know what pisses me off about all of that, though, is? Tell me, Doug. I will. I will. And then we're going to Spence with the in-studio question. He's been waiting for frickin' ever. The thing that pisses me off, I don't care if cars are investment. If people want to look at cars like they look at art or whatever and see them purely as investments, fine. The thing that annoys me is that the same guy who wasn't interested in the 599 at 175k the day before is now interested in the exact same car at four times that price absolutely the car didn't change the car didn't get any better the driving experience didn't get any better he just saw somebody else pay that money for it so it became competitive buying worthwhile to him mm-hmm. because of what somebody else thought and it like that to me kind of ruins the whole aspect of of the car guy-ness, right? You buy a car because you love it. If it goes up in value, friggin' awesome. Don't buy it because somebody else likes it. Spence, grab a microphone, you're up. Make sure you get in front of the camera so everybody can see your beard. (laughs) Good evening, gentlemen. Hello, sir. My question is, what's a car that you think is going to crash in value in the next couple years? And what's a car you think is going to gain value in the next couple years? Who do you want to start? There are so many. I know, but who do you want to start? Rash and value. Sabo start so I can think. All right, there's a couple cars. Like one of them just boomed this year. You know, Career GT. I always thought was gonna start getting around two million dollars. Well, look, it's there. 
Yep. Um, I think Ford GT, there's still some meat on the bone on that. Um, crash in value? That's a really good question because nobody is asking that right now. People are only asking what will go up. Right. Crash in value. I like this. I like this question. Anything that Spence that's drives. That's a tough one. <laughs> well there are a lot of cars out there that aren't a good driving experience what they do just, you think is going to crash in value oh in the next few years a lot of muscle cars are going to crash in value when all those old guys die well, pre-war cars i mean are actually i think kind of safe the ones that you know, survived like Duesenbergs and yeah. stuff like that. There's always going to be a home those for are those. art forms, the art yeah. museum. Cars. That is that is a period, and you're buying a period in history. I mean, you those. go buy like why? Why has a Model T not gone through the value through roof and value? Because they made thirteen it, million. Yeah, and try taking it on the highway. Nobody wants to hand crank it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> so funny. I don't know. Can't even take it down the street. I have a guy in my neighborhood that owns one. He drives it around all the time at night. Just random. I see a Model T rolling through the neighborhood, but he cannot leave my neighborhood because it speed limit goes up thirty five. <laughs> <laughs> what is going to crash in value? Nothing we have, of course. Oh gosh, what what is <laughs> what is overvalued? I mean, right? It, what's priced too much? Devin has an answer. No, we we have to answer this first. We don't want more questions. Well, it's, it's... Grab just, the microphone. Just, yeah, what's Come your on. question? We're buying times. It's two cars. That's the real question here. 365 GDB4 Daytona and a 360 Challenge Stradale. What do you think is going to happen in 20 to 25 years with both cars? Which one's the better purchase right now? Daytona Daytona's actually soft right now. I know. Yeah, Daytona's come down a little bit. I know. Um, the CSs will all get converted to manuals, and they'll be worth a fortune. Yes. I do agree with that. Yeah. But not for at least two years. Because I, I need I can see a CS growing a little bit. I mean, it looks great. They actually drive I mean other it's been than a while the F1, since I, they drive. Yeah, fantastic. but the, the F one in that car is not as bad as it is. It's bad. Cars. I don't know. I might fight you on that one. I the Dude, miles I, I drove have, a Scuderia last year and I was like, Oh gosh, I forgot I forgot that it wasn't great. Like the car was awesome. That transmission, man. Yeah. If you jump into one of those, well, you obviously understand it. But I've the later 360s, the early ones were pretty rough. The 355 with an F1 gearbox oh, was brutal. But the later 360s, like 0405, and then the 430. I mean, I don't, I didn't mind that gearbox. I, I thought it was, I thought it was a really nice car to drive. You once you understand its quirks, that's kind of what makes it cool, though. But to answer your real question, I think Daytonas will probably rise and fall. Okay. Um, I mean, every Ferrari collector either has owned one or will own one. Um, CS, I mean, I I have great memories in one of those. So I'm, I guess I think at when those cars were like 110 grand, I mean that was a deal. Now they're you know 250 ish. I mean, I think that's still not. A disappointing experience i know what my answer is for the car that's going to crash in value go for it the 90s 80s and 90s european wagons people are paying buku but i love wagons i am a 
long roof fanatic. I've had an RS2 Avant. I have an E350 wagon. I've had an E63 wagon, yada, 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 whatever. Subaru Legacy GT. Yeah. Those cars are not that good. And people are paying gigantic premiums to have old school performance wagons. They're cool, but they're not $100,000 cool. You can buy a real car for that. RS2. I, I just I think your all RS2, that stuff is overvalued. Your RS2, the hype, did not meet the reality. No. That I was mean, an amazing $40,000 car. $35,000 car, I'll yes. buy two of them. Yep. In case one wears out. Yep. 50 grand or above? No. Nah. Pass. And that's probably the best that's probably the best wagon of that era. You it doesn't get better than that other I mean fine, it's all-wheel drive. So maybe one of the M5 Tourings or something like that, but or an AMG Hammer, fine. Okay, so you have like the the big 3. But 100,000 plus, eh, nah, no. The retail, I mean, you look at what they cost new and people are lining up for them. It is it is pretty special. I, I What's an guess. E63S wagon going for? It's like 150, right? Yeah, yeah, plus for 2020. Yeah, uh, you're yeah. Switchcast is brought to you by Boxcast. Boxcast is a live streaming company based in Cleveland, Ohio, and they serve broadcasters and viewers in more than 200 countries. Their founders launched Boxcast back in 2013 with one purpose: to make people part of the experience. If you're looking to live stream your podcast, church service, car show, sporting event, wedding, or even your cannonball attempt, BoxCast is an easy, flexible, live streaming platform for organizations. BoxCast is so easy, we are broadcasting this show live with our phone. Head over to switchcars.com slash BoxCast for your free trial. This is a, I like this question. You are not Bill... So there's a phenomenon I'm not sure many people are noticing. 1976 Cadillac Eldorado prices are skyrocketing. You're right. I neither of Centennial us Centennial edition. Centennial. I, I understand supply and demand, but the massive price increases make me wonder if and when the bubble will burst for non-exotic cars. What do you think? Let's go back to Centennial edition. There's a registry for 76 Centennial editions. Dear Lord, how do you know this? <laughs> there's one. There, there, might, there might be one in my future. <laughs> Is this for Johnny Light Night? Yeah. All right. Could be. Johnny Light Night is this fictitious thing. I was born in 1976. If you Fine. want me to date myself, but and you know, I was a bicentennial baby. Okay. We're going to all dress up in 70s outfits and grow mustaches and take a apparently a Centennial Edition Cadillac Eldorado out on the town. But keep going. The Centennial Edition Registry? There's a Centennial Edition Registry. Okay. Just look it up. It's cool. Are you going somewhere with that? No. It's just, it's just a fact. Okay. People when like to you know jump on the web and do things. The dude asked a question, though. When do you think the bubble will burst for non-exotic cars? When supply hits demand but there is no more supply of those cars wait 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 non-exotic i thought you were just talking about normal cars no like you don't afford dealer 76 empty. cadillac eldorado oh when will that old bubble? school weird cars that i don't are really skyrocketing think that, I, in value well that car you know 76 eldorado in general hasn't really i don't think it's boomed you know boomed isn't going from 25 grand to 35 grand i don't call that a boom I guess it's I mean, the centennial edition. That's we're not we're not putting that in there. 
Okay. Good answer. <laughs> That's called inflation. Randall won. What do you think of paint to sample, sport seats versus comfort, and carbon ceramics for a car that you might try to flip? Honestly, I would advocate a good roll cage and sunroof delete if you're <laughs> try to flip it. Yeah, also, please yeah. take video. Yes, exactly. GoPro. Sponsored by GoPro. All right. Uh, <laughs> Finny G76. Do- <laughs> well played, sir. Do we see any time in the foreseeable future air-cooled Porsche 911 going down in value? I understand if the vehicle is a special one, like a 72 RSR or 911R, but a regular 993? It kind of sucks for those of us who really like the cars but can't afford the high prices. Competitive buying. Okay, so what does that mean? Well, right now, the air-cooled Porsche market is super strong for many reasons. One, you have the people that have already been in it. You know, go to um, Porsche clubs are wicked strong. People that are buying new cars want to taste the old one. Um, I mean, you got like, I got my buddies down in Miami. I've been helping them buy cars. I mean, it is contagious. Like you get 10 guys down there. They all have, you know, name your flavor air cooled. Um, there's guys popping up on YouTube everywhere that are just, all over the air-cooled community. They're growing it. There's Facebook groups. There's more people are educated or at least think they're educated on air-cooled cars than it's, I've seen in a really long time. What's <laughs> so funny about that? People think they're educated. Yeah, a lot of people think they're educated <laughs> on that. But if you get what, back, what percentage of people do you think bought a 2016 911R that had no idea what, what was going to happen? 67 911R was. Oh, 50%. Okay. No, it's, I mean, that's probably not fair. There's a, lot, there's a lot of really good Porsche guys that own those, but the original, there's a lot of guys that just, it was available, so they bought it. 918 sure. guy was one of the first <clears throat> VIP cars available. There's a lot of people that just, like, you know. Opportunists. I, I, absolutely. Okay. All right. Keep going. Oh, I'm still going. You uh, were going. <laughs> um, but back to, like, again, I have an example. I got a bunch of clients. I, I even call them friends because they're just great guys. They have a little... They have a club down in Miami, and it's, it's starting to grow even outside of that. It's called Vintage Vices. Yeah. Look them up on Instagram or whatever. It's really cool stuff, and it's just all air-cooled 911s. And a lot of these guys, I mean, they're, some guys have been in it a long time. Some guys are brand new. Some guys mm-hmm. had their first car last week. And, but then they, they bring on another guy. Like Somebody shows up in their 911R, and they're like, let me drive your air-cooled car. They do, and they have to have one. Mm-hmm. So the more new Porsche sales is re- amazing. And a lot of these people get into the the lifestyle and they want to take their shot in an air-cooled car. Might not be for them, but they don't know until they try. And there's a romance to it also. Yeah. So, yeah. So, I mean, that's, you know, the air-cooled market, I don't think is going to correct much anytime soon. I think that it might even strengthen. Hmm. Says a guy with two air-cooled cars in his garage. Biased opinion. Yeah, go values go. <laughs> <laughs> I I think you're right, and it goes back to what you said about the tur- Turbo 3.6, is it's it's the driving experience. Mm-hmm. It, it all For me, it all comes down to intrinsic value. I don't look at cars as investments, even though I'm a friggin' car dealer, but I look at them as in terms of enjoyment. And that's... 
illustrated by my weird friggin' tastes. I bought a <laughs> suburban <laughs> drug dealer <laughs> pimped out mid nineties suburban because I thought it was cool. Didn't make any money on it for the record, but I enjoyed having it. I got super excited when I had it. But it comes down to intrinsic value and what else you could buy for that money. Mm-hmm. And that's really when cars become investments is when you see a car that gives you a greater sense of enjoyment, a greater experience than other cars that cost more money. And it, like you've said it really simply where you just you look at a car and you go, well, that's not a $200,000 experience. Mm-hmm. Because well, that's really what you're doing is you're, you're right. buying an experience. Like, to, again, back to the air-cooled thing for a quick second. You know, you could take air-cooled car. You could take a Fox body model. Whatever your classic flavor of choice from the 80s, 90s, or you can turn any, like, trip into a like adventure. Like, you want to disappear for a half hour on your favorite road, whatever that may be, or maybe you go get milk for your child or whatever whatever that day brings you. But if you're in a 200-horsepower, lightweight chassis car, you don't have to do 100 miles an hour, not even close, to have that car be entertaining. You jump in a brand-new supercar, doing 35 miles an hour in a 35 zone, I mean, yawn. Maddening. Yawn. Yeah. And the car doesn't want to do it either. That's the problem. You get a manual gearbox in a classic car, you can control your speed, you're master of your domain, and you're, if you do a, let's just say you're going to do 65 and a 65, it's not maddening. Yeah. It's not bad. I mean, the car will definitely do more than that, but the car is not completely boring at that point. Yeah. I mean, jump in a, like a, I mean, McLaren Senna <laughs> and try to do 65 and a 65. I mean, active arrow moving around, or actually it probably wouldn't be moving at all. But, <laughs> but I mean, it's, there's so much going on. It goes back to that 1980 Ferrari 308 GTSi I had. Mm. The two-valve. The white one? Smog special. That thing was so slow. And granted, listen, I don't want that car back. By no means was that an amazing driving experience. But for 25 grand, it was awesome. But Throttle stick. To, to really, really illustrate your point. Yeah. To really illustrate your point, I was on the highway in that car, and some guys in crotch rockets came up next to me, <laughs> and they're like revving, looking over, you put trying reverse. to instigate a race, <laughs> and I just kind of looked at them and nodded, and they took off, and they like friggin' walked me, mm-hmm. and they came back, and they're like trying to instigate a race and all that, and what they didn't understand was, you were I am trying. racing! You were trying. I got the foot to the floor. It was mm-hmm. so slow, but I had all the fun and i didn't get arrested because it wouldn't go fast at all oh no no no. but no. yeah like that's an extreme example of your point but yes that's why i love my 79 i was on the highway in that car and throttle stuck wide open oh yeah well you were behind that 250 luso <laughs> and it was like it was freaking loading up yeah. the throttle and you were... I, had to, I had to ride the brake and shut it off every time we got near something just let it coast in oh gosh all right, so I, I had a, I had a Marty McFly moment with that too. Oh my! God. I pulled it over. What? Well, yeah, go. I was I was in that that Ferrari drive behind mm-hmm. cars of massive value. Yeah, and I pulled over, and I think my buddy Craig was with me, and I'm like, screw this car! I just basically hit the motor, and it was perfect. <laughs> I, it went back to normal. You like, know, I, I fix that thing. Like Italian tune up. No. <laughs> 
a new friggin' air filter and I cleaned out the throttle body. There was gunk in the throttle body. I cleaned the throttle cable. There was I think a mouse died on it too. So. Oh yeah. No, yeah. it was, it was, there's was a bunch of gunk in that throttle. I felt really proud. That's the only time cable. I fixed like a drivability issue you fix on a Ferrari. Shut up. <laughs> I'll fix you. Um, we have a bajillion more questions. This is a very hot topic. I'm sorry we could not. Cherry get pick we, one. We've gotten. I am going to. We've gotten to like half of them. So I think we're going to have to do this again. Um, but I wanted to answer this one. It's a long one, but I think it's good. Uh, and it came in fairly recently. We don't have a lot of time, but let's take a long question. No, fine. Perfect. We're just going to take one. I. It's my show. I can do what the frick I want. We'll be here for three hours. Don't care if anyone else is. I got a microphone. BMAC 373. Yeah, that's right. Go on. Uh, It seems like the question better to answer is, if you treat your exotic car as an investment, how can you enjoy it? I have friends with three plus cars in the garage with less than 100 miles on them. Crazy market bubbles aside, it's hard for the average person to see a depreciating asset class as an investment in general, but certainly there are unique opportunities where over long periods of time or extremely low mileage, like 50 miles on a 20-year-old car or other market demands create an increase in value to some exotic cars. But have you really enjoyed it then? All right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take this on a little bit of a turn, but low miles cars, low mile cars are a lot of people's thing right now. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, they, they just love looking at the odometer and know it's, knowing it's low, knowing that if they go to sell it, they're selling the best car on the market or maybe the freshest car on the market, per se. Mm-hmm. Um, if I can give one piece of advice, drive at least one tank of gas out of your car a year. I mean, if you have a muscle car, it doesn't take much. Um, today's gas, unless you invest in some, you know, racing fuel or whatnot, is you know it's just get a get one tank of gas through your car a year. Right. Your car will thank you. Your fuel system will thank you, and your pocketbook will thank you. So you do not have massive amount of repairs. Um, yes, that's the best thing you can do. Do your annual service, and get a tank of gas out of a car a year. That's your Pete. That's your uh, public so service. The um, second, and I like everything you said. The second point I think is is poignant. The fact that so many people made money on used car values jumping in the past two years, for heaven's sakes, not two years, we'll say one year, six months, seems, seems to be the bubble. Likely there will be opportunities for unique cars in the future to gain value, but forecasting exactly which ones is like picking winning stocks. Good luck. And I agree. Uh, so a lot of cars as investments, so, so you and I talked about this earlier, is a few people, or sorry, a lot of people making money on cars in the last year has essentially ruined them. Mm-hmm. Because once you make money on a toy once, you come to expect that as normal. And it's not normal. Cars can be it's investments. Addicting. Right. It's absolutely addicting. But they're not usually. And these are this incredibly is unprecedented market conditions that we're in. It happened for sure 13 to 15. It's happened a couple that was, times. Yeah, it's happened a couple times, but usually it reverses as well. There's different factors at play here for sure, but you can't come to expect that all the time. Right? Absolutely. I mean, the rise that just happened, and like even say in the, let's say the last calendar, well, I mean, March, 
right? I mean, there was, yeah. the, the COVID scare was really real until about March. The world kind of opened back up, and all of a sudden, people went right batty with their money. Yeah, like May, the value yeah, started. I mean, to you recover. could have bought a car yeah. in May for hundred grand, and you could have sold it today for one hundred fifty. Sure. I mean, but people think that's going to happen over and over again. No, it's chances are low. Yeah, so I guess the question is not what is the best investment because it's not cars, but can cars be considered investments at all? Because to his point, like picking winning stocks, so the statistic is that 80% of day traders lose money. And sure. I think that happens with cars as well. If you're trying they to win, day win, trade and they them, get slammed. right, if you're trying to day trade them, it's not going to work. But if they are... <laughs> I'm going to reference Dave Ramsey here as I do a lot until you're fully wealthy with your retirement, fully funded and all good investment options, maxed out stable investment options. You shouldn't consider cars as an investment. That doesn't mean you can't buy them. You just put them in the toy category. And if they happen to increase in value, awesome. So if you can afford to buy them as toys, great buy mm -hmm. them as toys. And if they go up in value that's a bonus but don't bank on it and certainly don't finance it on the basis of it increasing in value that's a dangerous game to play but cars are not a replacement for investing properly they can be good investments but they might not be and you have to go into it thinking i mean kind of like any other super risky investment like i don't know i mean look at what people hate and buy that <laughs> kind of <laughs> you know yeah. i mean i hate to say it but like Take a car that everybody slammed, like a C4 Corvette. Right. C4 ZR1, to be example. Maserati Bi-Turbo. Yes. I mean, it's C4 ZR1 Corvette. Any, anything Tony Kernsevic owns. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, like, those cars are actually, I mean, again, whatever, judge me, but they're pretty fantastic. Yeah. And, I mean, motor technology first day, it was just brilliant. But um, now those cars are, you know, one just sold for like 80,000 bucks. Crazy. And you could put have that probably car for 25 grand, you know, you two years ago. All right. You are the C4 king you of the Midwest. The C4 king. Mark we're Spence. the C4 king. He owned, yeah. you own two? <laughs> too many. Uh, it's okay. When you get your AARP card, you can buy a few more. Hey, hey. No, yes. see? Bringing the value down. Buy it today because Doug just. Did. No, that's you buy it when nobody cares about it. That's what I'm that, talking about. That is the best way to. That cars are an investment. When you you buy it, when nobody else is thinking of them as investments. Mustangs were crashing to everybody at Cars and Coffee. People remind me of that all the time. Yeah. Now all of a sudden they're more valuable. I bought the SSP Fox Body Mustangs when nobody cared. All right, people are coming out here with Mustangs. shots. That is telling us that it is just about time to be done. So we are going to go to props and flops of the week. Flop of the week. The EPA is at it once again coming out with new laws on tailpipe emissions that are the strictest ever, even stricter than what the Obama administration put in place, effectively meaning that manufacturers will have to achieve a 40 mile per gallon fleet average by 2026. The NHTSA is proposing higher mile per gallon requirements that will require an increase of fuel efficiency by 8% per year. Good golly. You can't just legislate this stuff into existence. And this Yawn. is... This stuff is what brought about the malaise era of cars. So here we go, boring cars again, smog specials. The prop of the week, do you have one? Or, I'm, I'm going to let you use yours. Okay, I fine. I read it. 
It, it's it's old, but um, uh, give props to our local Twinsburg Police and Fire Department. Uh, they on Christmas Day they delivered gifts, food, and other living supplies to six deserving families in Twinsburg, some of whom had lost family members or had lost their one family had lost their home due to fire. So it was a really cool gesture and super prop for letting a scofflaw like me, lawbreaker, come along for the ride. That was a lot of fun. But uh, yeah, shout out to the the local uh, fire department, police department for uh, uh, strengthening the community in that way. So that wraps us up here on SwitchCast. I'm going to find our closing music here and play it. Yes. Sabo, from Bulletproof Performance, where can people find you on your on the internet to follow your stuff, oh. or how can they get in contact with you? You can hit me on the IG at hashtag Johnny Sabo, J-O-N-N-Y-S-A-B-O, or, I don't know, I'm just... Yeah, Johnny ahead. Sabo on Instagram. There you go. Yep. Or you can call me, and I'll charge you a finder's fee to get to him. Thank oh. you again to my co-host, Sabo. Thanks like for coming wild. back. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks to our sponsors, GT Vault, BoxCast, Switch Cars, Celebrity Machines, and Stephen Holm Woodworking, who made us this awesome desk. Thank you to our producer and call screener, Ethan Huffnagel. Our bumper music was provided by Emily and Ivory. People are sniffing this and shaking the... How bad is this? You gotta just shoot it. Just okay, shoot it. we're gonna... Oh, fine. Okay, our bumper music... I'm not gonna music, pass out. You gonna take advantage of me? What is this? Our bumper music is running out here. I gotta wrap up. It's provided by Emily and Ivory. You can stream their full album on Spotify right after you watch our... <laughs> Did you all a favor by Listen taking a sip of that? it over your shoulder. This episode will be available Friday in audio format on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next Wednesday at 8 p.m. And we'll look forward to answering your automotive questions to help you on the drive of your life. Here we go. Do I have to? Bottoms up. It wasn't better that time either. That's oh, bad. Oh, man. Oh. Oh, that's flop of the week right there. Oh, what is that taste? Um, Did you milk a cat? It is bitter. What is that taste? This is Melanie's era. No, 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 no. There's. Oh, God. I know that flavor. Say goodbye. Bye. Peace.